Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Uh. Yeah. Happy Thursday, everybody, and welcome in to GC Live Afternoon Drive. I am Mike Yuva, and we have a lot of things to get into today as South Carolina. They're in an off week. They're idle, but still a lot of work to be done for the Gamecocks before they return to action next Friday when they're back at Williams-Brice when they host Florida. Two and three on the year. And certainly, when you look at what is coming up on the schedule, right? Florida. A team that has been up and down this season. You don't know which Florida team you're going to get. Then you have to travel. You have to travel to the two furthest teams in the SEC, at least for this year, until Texas and Oklahoma come into the conference next year. You got to do that in back-to-back weeks. Got to go to Missouri. Then you come back home just to go back out the following week to Texas A&M before finishing off the year with Four straight home games. Jacksonville State, which they're an FCS team, yes, but one of the better ones. Vandy, team that you should beat, but Vandy has shown in recent years that you can't take them for granted. Remember the Zeb Nolan game from two years ago, the last time the Commodores were at Williams-Brice and how they took the Gamecocks to the brink. And then you got Kentucky, who's playing some really good football. And we'll find out how good Kentucky really is this weekend when they take on Georgia and, of course, Clemson to close out the year. So I bring that up because even though we still have seven games to go, we're at the unofficial midway point of the season for the Gamecocks as they are currently in the bye week. So having said all that, there's a couple of things that I want to get into as far as what I feel like we need to see from South Carolina in order to finish the season off on a high note. Because when I look at that schedule, when I look at that schedule, and I wrote this today on Gamecock Central, we'll get to your comments shortly as well. The big thing to me for this Gamecock team is, as Hall of Fame coach Bill Parcells once said, you are what your record says you are, okay? Bottom line is, this is a two and three team. You know, any way you try to slice it, they are a two and three team. So when you when you look at that, and what I'm about to say next is kind of contradicts a little bit, but look, I, I don't think South Carolina is as bad as some people want to make them out to be. I really don't. I think that they have flaws that are just so eye-opening that it makes them appear worse than what they really are. But again, going back to what Bill Parcells once said, you are what your record says you are. Having said all that, and I will get into three things in particular that I think the Gamecocks really need to be able to do if they want to finish this year out strong. Because when I look at that schedule coming up, 
when I look at that schedule coming up, I can see South Carolina going five and two. But I can also see things turn south quickly and it going in the complete opposite direction. Of course, that starts with that first game back after the bye week against Florida at home. At home. You come out of the bye week and you look flat. Not just the fact that you lose, hypothetically speaking, of course. But if you come out looking flat with that schedule that you have to play over the next couple of weeks, my goodness, my goodness, it could get ugly. However, however, we've seen USC make improvements throughout the course of the year. The consistency, right? I mean, how many times have you said that about this year's team? Being more consistent. But we're going to take a deeper look into that. So the question of the day for the program. Before I get into the three things I think South Carolina really needs to focus in on, question today is, where does South Carolina need to improve the most coming out of the Idol Week? I want to hear from you. Let me know, and we will plug up your questions, comments, concerns, whatever else is on your mind today. Could be a little bit tighter show, getting ready to fly back to Boston. I'm on the off week as well for a college teammate's wedding. Looking forward to being back up in the Boston area. But for the time being, we're talking Gamecock football like we do every Thursday here on the GC Live Afternoon Drive. So having said all that, before we get into the three things that I think South Carolina needs to be able to do coming out of the bye week, going to share some of the comments that we have. Michael says, tough schedule, no doubt. Six win is a great accomplishment this year. And I think when you look at where USC is right now, if you want to kind of tweak, kind of move that line as far as maybe what that expectation you had. And when I say you, I'm not specifically talking about Michael. I'm talking about any of you out there. What was that, Mark? Was it nine wins? Was it eight wins? Was it seven wins? I still think seven wins is is on the table. And again, I can see South Carolina going five and two. I'm not going to give which games. I mean, I'll give you one. I think they should be able to beat Florida coming out of the bye week. Even though you don't know what Florida team you're going to get. But having said that, I still think this is a team that can make some adjustments after the break. So, again, let us know what you think, and we will get to those. I'm going to go with the ones, though, that we had today on Gamecock Central. If you're not a subscriber today, head on over to the Gamecock Central page and sign up for just $1 today. Plus, take advantage of the new On3 app to stay connected with all your Gamecock Central news. One click now. Don't have to be worrying about, okay, going on the phone, signing. No, no, no. Have the whole app. Much easier. Check it out, the On3 app. All right, number one. And it's something that they've been trying to do throughout the course of the year, but especially this week. Develop depth and get healthy. I mean, there's no secret that heading into the season at South Carolina, they were going to be very thin at multiple positions, right? We knew that already heading into the year at linebacker. We knew that heading into the year at the offensive line position. We knew that at the defensive end position in terms of proven depth. Now, You have that, and look at 
defensive back too. I mean, there's a lot of positions we can go across the board and say, but that's just heading into the season. Factor in, okay, week one, your left tackle gets hurt during the spring, but your right tackle goes down second series of the game. Mo Kaba comes back from after tearing his ACL a year ago, and he goes down. Now you're down a linebacker, not just a linebacker, not just a good linebacker, but an experienced linebacker at that. The injuries have piled up for this team. Again, a team that going into the season, we already knew they were going to be young. We already knew that they were going to be thin. To the point where you're heading into week one in Charlotte against a Power 5 team, and you have over a dozen true freshmen make the dress list. I bring that up because it is just a microcosm of who this team is, and this team is a young team that has gone through and they're going to continue to go through at times growing pains. Yes, you have Spencer Rattler. Yes, you have an experienced wide receiver in Xavier Leggett. You do have experience in certain positions, no question about it. But when you start to go down the list of names, this is a young team. This is a very young team. In fact, seven true freshmen have played in at least four of the five games so far this season. Now, I'm sure if we go down the list, you look at other schools, there's probably some true freshmen playing out there, no question. And there could be a school, could be an outlier, where a school has more than seven players that have played in more than four or five games. What I'm trying to get at is, is the fact that this is a team that is young. And they're going to have growing pains. We talked about this with the offensive line, right? It's not an excuse, but we're trying to take a step back and reevaluate things. So when you're talking about developing depth this week, obviously getting healthy, it speaks for itself. But when we're talking about developing depth, those younger players, some of them, again, seen four uh, out of the five games, seven of those true freshmen have played in four of those five games. We need to see more of those true freshmen start to not just play whether it be a couple snaps at wide receiver, <laughs> Nicholas Harbor, or playing defense for a couple snaps. I mean, obviously, Jalen Kilgore is on a totally different level. He's played the most snaps of any true freshman so far. But a Pup Howard, a Nick Harbor. I mean, we can keep going down the list. Obviously, Louis and Bubalade, Trevon Baugh, those two guys on the offensive line, they've been seeing a lot of playing time. A lot of playing time. But what does it look like coming out of the bye week? Knowing that they've been thin in certain positions. We know that's been the case at linebacker. God bless Debo Williams and Stone Blanton. Those two guys have played almost every snap this season, especially Debo. I mean, there's been games where Debo has played in every snap at linebacker as they run that 4-2-5 defense. But I expect Pup Howard to continue to see more snaps for two reasons. One, he's had more time to get acclimated. But number two, they need it. They need the bodies. They need the bodies. Defensive back. Again, Kilgore has done a phenomenal job of coming in. I'm still very high on DQ Smith. He's had a wonky season. And I think the frustrating part about it all is he's shown 
what he's capable of doing, obviously going back to last season, and he's still learning the position. But he has so much raw talent, number one, but number two, he has a high football IQ, having been a quarterback in high school at Spring Valley, a high level, as we all know here in the South, in the, in the state of South Carolina. And what he was able to do last year, recognizing route combinations. And he talked about that in the offseason. He talked about that heading into fall camp. So it's just looking for some more consistency out of certain players that you would hope will be able or you're hoping for to have great seasons this year, to take that next step. So that's why I bring him up. We've mentioned Stone Blanton before, another guy that I'm very high on. And I think he's being asked to do probably a little bit more than what he probably should. And that's just because of the lack of depth they have at linebacker. Because if Mo Kaba doesn't go down, the rotation at linebacker, starting with obviously Mo, Debo, Stone, it looks different. Papa would probably still factor in somehow if Mo wasn't down. But Stone has experience. Stone has done some good things this year, but Stone's being asked to do a lot. Guys need to step up. Some of the guys I mentioned in particular, again, Stone, DQ, but some of these younger players as well. So that goes back to the depth part. But I think we're going to start to see some of those younger guys start to get some more reps out there because, again, they need it. They need it. Number two, establish the run. I mentioned a couple times this season – talking about that century mark. And the more I've thought about it since Saturday night, it's kind of a lazy stat to throw out there saying, okay, South Carolina is this, this, and that when they rush the ball for over 100 yards. It's misleading. Because look at last the other night against Tennessee. Mario Anderson rushes for 75 yards on the first play, takes it to the house. Gamecocks finished with 132 yards rushing. If you take away that 75-yard run, which, again, hell of a job by Mario, hell of a job by the offensive line. But if you take that run away, USC was not consistent on the ground against Tennessee. Now, certainly they fall behind a little bit late in the game. But especially for the majority of the first half, right before that pick six, and even into the, the beginning of the second half, you go down, you score that touchdown on the first play, just to um, your first play of the um, of the second half after Tennessee scored, of course. It just wasn't consistent, though, after that from a running game standpoint. And even before that, to an extent, I don't think it was exactly where it needed to be. There were some good things that they did. But the reason I keep bringing that up is because It's not about, okay, hit the 100-yard mark because certainly game plans can change or if you fall behind, as we saw week one against North Carolina, you're probably not going to run the football as much. But the reason why I keep talking about establishing the run is because, yeah, Rattler has a friggin' incredible arm. He's playing out of his mind. Two best games he's had this year, statistically speaking. Furman? In Mississippi State. Now, I know some people are going to be like, well, it's Furman. Okay. But bear with me here. Play along. Those two games were the two games, in my mind, South Carolina 
establish the run the best they have all year in those two games. So the reason I bring that up, and obviously, again, Furman, very good FCS team. Size is going to be different. They're going to have to do some different things in comparison to some other SEC teams in, 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 um, in conference play. But as we saw in the Mississippi State game, what did the Bulldogs have to do as the game went on? They had to bring down a safety in the box. They had to bring an extra linebacker in the box. They started to respect USC's rushing attack, something that Tennessee didn't do last week, something that a lot of teams haven't done so far this year. And the reason why is, why should they? Until you can consistently start running the football, not just week to week, but I'm talking series to series. I mean, obviously, there's going to be some drives where you go three and out. No question but at least make it, make an effort to make it a priority, right? Make an effort to make it a priority. When you're able to do that, when you're able to get the run game going, you know what that helps out? That helps out with Spencer Rattler. That opens up the passing lanes, especially when a safety comes down or an extra linebacker comes down to the box. That's what South Carolina needs to do. That's what South Carolina needs to do. They need to be able to get the run game going because by doing that, it's going to free up the passing lanes for Rattler. And again, the two games I just gave you, the two games at South Carolina had their best rushing attacks of the season. Furman, Mississippi State, those are also the two games that Rattler had his best passing performance, statistically speaking, when he was able to throw for over 90% from a completion standpoint in both those games, 90 or better. Get that going. Get the run game going. It slows down the pass rush as well. Never mind the fact that an extra guy's going to be in the box to free up the passing lanes. So that's the second thing I'm looking at. And the last thing I want to talk about, create more tackles for a loss. I mean, there's so many things that we could talk about from a defensive standpoint where they need to get better. We mentioned this last week, but when you look at what they were able to do against Mississippi State, you create nine tackles for a loss. And what that did was two things. One, It forced Mississippi State, a team that wanted to run the football, to throw it. And I know what some people are going to say, but we'll get to that. Slow down. But it also forced the Bulldogs to to play from behind the sticks for the majority of the game. When you know they are going to have to pass it, we've seen that happen with South Carolina, right? Go back to the North Carolina game. Go back to the second half against Georgia once the game started to get out of USC's hands. When you know it's going to be pass, 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 it makes things a hell of a lot easier for you as a defense. And that's what we saw that night for USC when they played Mississippi State. Now, having said all that, there were, I think, 72 plays that game from a defensive standpoint that USC faced. The thing that's frustrating about that game is when you go back and you look at the tape and what they were able to do up front, Obviously, in the back end, there were about five to six plays in terms of uh, the defensive backs just not doing what they needed to do, right? Big explosive plays. Um, The good thing about that, though, when you move forward, obviously not in the moment, a lot of that is correctable. A A lot of what I saw, and I know Clayton White talked about it as well. Defensive coordinator Clayton White mentioned it after the... 
Mississippi State game when he spoke last Wednesday heading into Tennessee week. But, you know, a lot of things that I noticed, breaks from a defensive back standpoint, just the angles, poor angles, not finishing plays, looking back towards the ball, and just some miscommunication when it comes to where they need to be, whether it be man calls, whether it be their their leverage when it comes to, you know, a guy up, guy being back. If there's if there's twins and just being on different levels, so you're not running into each other, just little things like that. It's all correctable stuff. But like I said, even though it was five or six plays, it's going to stand out. It's going to stand out like a a guy with a Boston accent in the cell. And I, I mean that's what that's what it was the other night when they played Mississippi State with the explosion of plays. Having said that, though, knowing that a lot of that is correctable, and obviously USC winning, when you take a step back. They did a good job up front. And the defensive backs, they did a good job for the majority of the game. It's just because you had those five, six explosive plays that it makes things look a heck of a lot worse than really what it was. And I, again, that's not to say, oh, five or six plays. That's not, no, no, no. It was bad. It was very, it was bad. But you limit that, the defense as a whole, you're looking at what they did that night just from a whole defensive standpoint a hell of a lot different than the way that we saw it that night. So, again, South Carolina, they've really struggled outside of that Mississippi State game to get to the quarterback. Uh, They've really struggled to create tackles for a loss just in general. In fact, USC, they're ranked fifth worst in the country for tackles for a loss. And nearly half, nearly half, Of those tackles for a loss, which they have 19 through five games, nine of those came in one game, and that was against Mississippi State. Nine. The other 10, you do the math. So I bring that up because you need to create more tackles for a loss. It will help you with everything. It will help you with everything because teams will start to play behind the sticks You can help yourself by hopefully eliminating the run game. I don't care which team you're playing. If you can make a team one-dimensional, that always helps. But obviously, if you're able to do that, the stuff that is correctable with the defensive backs and even the linebackers when they're in coverage, you have to make sure you're doing your job. You have to finish those plays. You have to take better angles. The communication has to be there. Your leverage has to be there. All of those things are important. So those are my three things going to go down read some of yours let us know what you're thinking and we'll keep trucking along here on gc live afternoon drive old blue what concerns me old blue says coach beamer sticking with dk at running back one thing that is going to be interesting is dj braswell has only appeared in one game i believe you know, if I'm off a game by that, you know, I I apologize, but I believe the last I checked, he's he's only appeared in one game. Unless something crazy happens, I think what makes the most sense for not just the individual player, but the program as a whole moving forward is to redshirt him. Is to redshirt him. Because you look at where you're at right now, you're two and three, you have seven games left. What is in the best interest of the student-athlete in the program moving forward, big picture. To me, at least, to me, I would say I, I would save D, uh, DJ. 
Now, keep in mind, we've put this out there before, but some people, for whatever reason, they get confused by it. Mario Anderson still has a year of eligibility left. 2019, he redshirted at Newberry. 2020 was the COVID season. 2021 and 2022, he played at Newberry. Those are the two years. So he played two years at Newberry because that COVID season in 2020 doesn't count. 2023, of course, he's at USC. So there's three years. So yeah, Mario Anderson, who has the potential, and I think we are assuming that he'll be back next season. Got DJ Braswell in there, right? Juju. I know he hasn't been used as much this season in the running back room. I know he got some touches the other day. You got Juju, who has the ability to come back next year. Matthew Fuller, who on three has rated as a four-star running back, plays for Connor Shaw's brother in Georgia. And then, of course, USC still going after Daniel Hill trying to bring him in as well. So that running back room, and I understand the frustration. I've mentioned this before. Obviously, you can't predict a player dealing with a injury or uh, something that's going to just prevent him from playing, a career ender. Like with what, with what we saw with Lavoisier Carroll this past spring, but it would have been nice, obviously, to have Lavoisier in there. It would have been nice. But unfortunately, things just didn't play out that way. You move forward. You do your best to be able to have that running back room in a better spot in comparison to where it is right now moving forward. But as far as DK goes, I think we will start to see Mario, especially, especially if Mario keeps running the football the way he did. But he's also done a nice job with pass blocking. I still think DK can make an impact in the rushing game. And it's not just these short yardage goal line situations. Certainly when he's in the goal line, I mean, he can bring multiple things to the table, right? Because you can get creative. You can motion Rattler out. I mean, he has the ability to throw the football. He has the ability to run it. He has the ability to catch it. But he's also, even though Mario is getting better with it, he's also your best pass protector when it comes to the running back position. So as we saw against Tennessee the other night, even though Mario was having a phenomenal game on the ground with the touches that he had, and like I said, they weren't able to establish the Russian attack as a as a whole, um, but there were some good things that Mario did. With DK, though, if the, if the pass rush is constantly getting there, you're going to put him in there. You're going to put him in there. They feel more comfortable with that. They feel more comfortable with not just that, but him being able to chip block, being able to get off, throw a dump pass to him. Now, these are things that Mario is getting better at. These are things that Mario is getting more comfortable at. You know, Shane Beamer, and it may have been, I don't know, last Tuesday, I think he brought up. I think he brought it up last Tuesday. And I'm, I'm paraphrasing here, but... He talked about one thing in particular that really stood out to me when talking about Mario and what he's improved on is just his vision when it comes to blocking in pass protection as a running back. You know, I never played the position in college, but certainly from talking with Carlin Spatel, who was on GC Live Talking Tuesdays last week, 
as he sheared, making the jump up from D2. There's certain things, especially with his eyes as a defensive back, that you're reading and you're processing, and it's obviously much faster, but things are just looking just a little bit different. And the reason why they're looking different is because the speed, the speed of everything around you. Once you're able to feel more comfortable with your surroundings, things begin to slow down for you. So I think with Mario, that's what we're starting to see. And as Shane mentioned, again, with the eyes, with Mario, of just the pass protection and looking left, right, all that kind of stuff, the speed of it's different. He's been able to improve on that. So these little things that we keep talking about, it's not that Mario's not capable of doing these things. It's just that at least heading into the season, and at least with what we've seen through five weeks, the coaching staff, based on what we've seen, in certain situations, they trust DK a little bit more with that. And I think even if Mario is able to continue to get better with those things, which again, go back to the Mississippi State game. I mean, he had some really nice blocks. He had a nice block on the Xavier Leggett touchdown. First one. He's doing a great job when it comes to blocking. He's getting a heck of a lot better. I still think that USC is going to lean heavily on DK in those situations. At least now and you know we'll see things can change coming out of the bye week but that's what i'd say that frederick says it's offensive line you know the thing that's been frustrating is the we talk about consistency and the lack thereof there's been so many games where a player or two on the defensive line has really stood out and now it's trying to put it all together now obviously when you have a guy like jordan strong coming back from a acl injury you wonder, okay, how long is it going to take for him to be able to get over that hurdle? Now, from a statistical standpoint, he might not be doing anything that's blowing people away. However, I think with what he's been doing, especially coming back in the circumstances that he's coming back from, I think he's doing a lot of good things that are showing people like, all right, like, hey, he's getting over that mental hurdle. The mental hurdle sometimes is even trickier to overcome, especially that first year back, than the injury itself right away. So I expect Jordan Strawn to start coming on more. Uh, Terrell Dawkins, obviously I'd like to see him pick it up a little bit. You don't know how much of that mental hurdle he's facing because every player is different and it might not be, but obviously it's something in the back of your mind when you think about an injury, especially a lower body injury when a player's come back from that. Um, but TJ Sanders has been playing out of his mind. I think we'd like to see more from Boogie from a consistency consistency standpoint. I think Boogie's done a lot of good things, though. Uh, Tonka, same deal. I think Tonka has done good things, but you'd like to just see a little bit more at times. And I think we've seen some good things from some of the younger guys, too. You know, DJ, um, excuse me, Desmond Umi Ozulu, getting all these Ds mixed up. Desmond Umi Ozulu has played a good bit in terms of freshman snaps, get itchy nose. And I think we'll start to see him get some more snaps gear. Of course, he came in literally heading into the North Carolina game. So I feel like he'll only continue to, to see more snaps as well. Uh, Dylan goes, what's up with uh, Grayson Howard? We've talked about it before and, you know, we can combine these two, you know, Nick Harbor and, and Grayson. I mean, both players were banged up during preseason camp. 
You know, they were limited during a period of time during preseason camp. Now, Nick was out a little bit longer, which is a little bit more limited in comparison to Harbor. But the thing with with Harbor is he has, excuse me, they both have the size. With Pup, with Howard, is that they need to feel comfortable with him being out there, just knowing the calls, knowing everything. He has the size. He has the ability. He has the speed. He has the strength. And we're not there at practice every day, but based on some of the things that Pup has said to the media during press conferences, some of the things we've heard from the coaching staff during the season, it sounds like Pup is starting to come along, which, again, this bye week could not have come at a better time for South Carolina. And I think it's another reason why you're going to see more of these younger players start to play more. Um, with Nick, we've talked about this before. Yes, he's a five-star on paper, but he's also someone that's making a transition over from defensive end slash tight end to wide receiver. Played tight end and defensive end in high school. First time playing wide receiver. Now, obviously, if people want to be wise guys, they can say, well, I'm sure he was you know, spread out at times or detached from the line of scrimmage when he played tight end in high school. Yeah, I'm sure. But there's more to be done than just running routes, you know, when it comes to playing wide receiver, especially in this offense, especially for Justin Stepp and how much pride they take with stock blocking and um, being able to block out on the perimeter. And Harbor's done some good things with that. We've seen that actually from we saw actually a really nice block week one, even when they were starting to fall behind against North Carolina. Rattler extended a play to the left. I think it may have been a drag or some type of landmark route towards the middle of the field could have been a, you know, some type of post. And we saw Harbor work his way over to the left side of the field coming from right to left to help out extend the play for Rattler. So I think with Nick, again, you have those things in terms of, okay, learning a new position, but on top of it, like I said before with pup Harbor, a little bit more of it. He missed some time. He missed some time during preseason camp. Puts him behind the eight ball a little bit. So every extra snap, every extra rep this week in practice on top of what he's been able to do in the game, games, it's going to help, but it's going to take some time. That's why I'm sure there's going to be people that are frustrated. It's like, why is Luke Doty out there over him? I think Luke's actually done a really nice job at wide receiver. And I think that could be an interesting conversation in the offseason. Because as I've mentioned before, I know some people roll their eyes, but if you had to ask me today what the quarterback depth chart will look like heading into spring ball, Doty's probably going to be your number one quarterback. Doty could be your number one quarterback going into the fall. That's not to say Doty will be your week one starter. Because of what Luke has done in the respect that he's earned, I've been given earned from the coaching staff, and his teammates, if he wants to play quarterback and the coaching staff says, hey, that's what you want to do, or hey, we feel like this is in the best interest, or whatever the case may be, he's going to get his shot. That doesn't mean he will be the week one starter, but I think he's going to be given that shot. However, with what we've seen from Luke at the wide receiver position, and certainly, okay, he might not have the speed or the size in comparison to some of the other guys. 
but his knowledge, his IQ, when it comes to playing the position, it has been evident with Rattler because they see a lot of the same things. They see a lot of the same things, especially on those landmark routes. And for those of you that might not know what a landmark route is, kind of have an idea that ballpark of where you're running, but it's not as it's not as simple as saying, okay, just run to 12 yards. It could be between that 12-15 mark, whatever the case may be. And I'm just using 12-15. And it's more so just get to that landmark. And you kind of have the freedom. Kind of have the freedom to roam a little bit. He sees the field well. I think Luke's doing a nice job at wide receiver. I think it could be interesting, though, moving forward to see if that's what they decide to do with him moving forward. Now, there's multiple layers to that, too, right? And I don't want to get too ahead of ourselves talking about next season yet, but Luke moves over to wide receiver. As talented and as excited as this fan base is about Lenore Sellers, we still haven't seen a lot from him. We still haven't seen him against an SEC team. This isn't any fault of his own. The last thing you want to do is feel like you're rushing a kid. And that's not to say Lenore's come spring, balls out, right? Things, are, But it's just like, slow down a little bit, people. Slow down. On top of that, and I think this is going to be great for both of them, but you're going to be bringing in Dante Reno. He's going to be arriving here in January, the four-star out of Connecticut. So you bring him down here. You bring him down here. And it's going to really push those two guys. And it's not just for next season. It's really going to push these guys over the next couple of years. And I think that's going to be great. Having said all that, you have those two. You have Tanner Bailey in there. Do you feel comfortable enough with what that is looking like? I'm not talking about in a year from now, right? Like at this time, you know, mid-October of 2024. I'm not talking about heading into the 2025 season. I'm talking about, do you feel comfortable with that heading into week one of the 2024 season to move Doty out of that wide receiver, that, that quarterback room completely? These are things that, you know, again, we'll have plenty of time to evaluate, but that's why I want to bring that up. God loves comics as Georgia was dropping seven to eight in coverage every play because they had zero concern about the run game. Spencer had no options in the second half, and that's how you beat it. That's how you're, you're going to see more teams do that. And the other thing, too, that you're going to see, and certainly Tennessee has one of the better pass rushes in the country, and they proved that last week. But if you're dropping seven, eight into coverage, and you're only sending four, sometimes three, because South Carolina is struggling to block consistently, especially if you're able to have the type of performance Tennessee had the other night, you drop seven, you drop eight, you don't even worry about the friggin' run game. And it's going to make those windows a heck of a lot smaller for Rattler. If I'm a defensive coordinator right now, outside of maybe Jacksonville State, it's probably a little bit smaller, right? I don't want to write off Vandy quite yet because, yeah, you know what? Vandy, it's been they've been the doormat of the SEC for the last couple of years, but at the same time, too, they have SEC size. They might not be consistently, um, or I wouldn't say consistently, they might not be the same size across the board in comparison to what the Gamecocks are. 
at each position or the positions where it's offensive line going up against the defensive line or you name it. But I also don't think that Vandy is a team that if they don't respect South Carolina's rushing attack, they do the same thing. It could be sitting pretty. And again, that's not to say Rattler can't, you know, navigate through it. It just makes his job a little bit more challenging. Um, God loves comics against his nine sacks given up against North Carolina, nine TFLs accomplished against Mississippi State, a team where both lines are wildly inconsistent this year. And I think another thing that's frustrating about this is the last two years in particular when it comes to recruiting. And it goes back to when Beamer got here back in December of 2020. This coaching staff has spent a lot of time and energy with recruiting both sides of the ball when it comes to offensive line and defensive line for this very reason that we're talking about. The thing that's frustrating about it is you know that's what's on the other side. You know that you have some talented guys here already that are freshmen. Some of them are seeing some playing time. Some it's going to take a little bit longer, and perhaps that little bit longer could be starting this week against Florida with this upcoming week, excuse me, but this week in terms of the idle week. We could start to see more of those younger players play. We've seen on the offensive line with the Louis and Bubba and Trevon Baugh. If Marquis Anderson didn't go down, we probably would have seen Marquis by now as well on the O-line. So, again, the frustrating part is USC knows, fan base knows, we all know where USC has really been hurting over the last couple of years, and they've addressed it. They've been addressing it. But just because they've brought in talent on the offensive line, talent on the defensive line. This isn't Madden. This isn't a video game. It's not just bring Johnny in, insert him here, and everything's good to go. No, there's sometimes there's going to be a process. Some guys will be able to go out there a little bit sooner than others. Sometimes you're going to have to put some of those guys out there a little bit sooner. We've seen that with Big Tree, and he's done a phenomenal job. He's done a phenomenal job. So Jalen Kilgore, another one after Nick Eamon-Worry went down early against North Carolina. So I think that's the frustrating part is, and I know that's a different positional group, but the point being is some freshmen have, have had to step up a little bit sooner rather than later. I think it's trying to get these guys going a little bit more because you need it right now, but also knowing, hey, we know what the issues are. They're addressing it. It's just... Some of those guys, it's not going to happen right away. Zachary goes, I think decision-making in situational downs needs to be looked at for our offense to improve. Zach, I mean, I, I think back to the other game against Tennessee, and I keep thinking about it. And I don't know if it was – go back and see because I wasn't in the post-game press conference room. I want to see if Colin said something about it. Because Colin and I were talking about it. And I asked him if it was... If it was brought up and... I don't know if it was really discussed much 
Again, I'm trying to just go back and see what Colin said in the message, and some of you guys that may have listened already to it. But right before the half, and I know it's easy to be, you know, the second guest guy, but even in the moment, I think back to the last time they played at Tennessee, I think there was a safety right before the half, or at least something similar in terms of South Carolina was a little bit more aggressive than they should have been, and it backfired on them. Now, obviously, Tennessee ran away with that game two years ago. But, yeah, third and 22, you're backed up inside your own, what, 25, 20-yard line. Under a minute to go, Tennessee has has one timeout left, and you run a six-yard curl that's picked off. Seals over the wide receiver's head, and they run it back for a touchdown. I'm all in favor of being aggressive. But I also think, too, at times, South Carolina, and we could go, you know, not just offense. We could talk about defense. We could talk about special teams. I think sometimes, too, they do need to take a step back. They do need to, you know, breathe a little bit and say, hey, maybe we shouldn't do that. Maybe we shouldn't do that. So I wouldn't just limit that to the offense. Dr. Piv says, large humans, lots of them, necessary. They have the bodies. In terms of they have big guys, some obviously are going to be on the way too with this upcoming recruiting class. You have two five-stars on the way, a defensive end, and then you have also a offensive lineman in Josiah Thompson, Dylan Storpey in the edge, of course. Cam Pringle, still considered a four-star, but Josiah Thompson getting the bump up to being a five-star by on three. So they have bodies, at least, that are there. And again, more on the way. It's just trying to get them in position where you can put them out there and you feel comfortable. And again, we could see more of it after this bye week because you're at least able to take a step back. Cohen Bobby says, also, how many players you think are going to be redshirted? Well, if I remember correctly... Taking a look at Wes's story. And I'm not going to be able to answer it directly. And the reason I say that is because I'm going to look at the freshman sheet that I have in front of me. And this is through four games. Um, Obviously, they've played five. But, you know, there's going to be guys that are going to redshirt that are sophomores. There's going to be other guys that will redshirt in there that aren't true freshmen. But based on the true freshmen, including Marquis Anderson, who's been out, who's been ruled out for the season with a knee injury, and obviously that will be a medical redshirt. But it really doesn't matter because I think we all assume that Marquis is going to play right away as soon as he gets back next season, assuming that he's healthy. But one, two, three, four, five, six. So I count six that haven't played at all when it comes to true freshmen. I count one, two, three, four, five, four, excuse me, four that have played one game, a couple that have played two games. So I think with, you know, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen. 12, 13, I think we could be looking at about 13. 13, maybe 14 true freshmen will redshirt this year. 
But as I mentioned before, of that group, of that 13 to 14, there's also been multiple players, seven to be exact, that have played in at least five, or excuse me, four of those five games already this year. So, I mean, that's that's a good portion of it. That's one-third of your true freshman class that have already hit the four-game mark. But, again, probably looking at 13 to 14 as far as true freshmen go, and then we'll see if there's any other guys in other classes, sophomores, medical red shirts, all that kind of stuff. We need a right tackle. They're gonna. I mean, again, they, they keep going after these guys as far as a recruiting standpoint. Right now, you got to ask yourself, what can they do to make things better? To me, one of the things that I would do is I like Ja'Kai Moore out there at right tackle. You know, Ja'Kai has played on both sides of the ball throughout his career. He's played on left tackle. He's played right tackle. I like Ja'Kai out there at right tackle more. And again, that could be something that they're working through this week during the off week, the bye week, the idle week. Jay Diz, I don't know what you're talking about. And again, like I said, I'm catching up on some of the stuff that people have uh, have been saying a while ago. DK and pass pro is horrible. I don't know what you're talking about. I have no idea what you're talking about. Now, certainly this entire team has not played perfect. So we can all find a clip or two. So I'll save you the trouble if that's what you're going to say. But there's also things as a running back that it's easy when we're watching to be like, oh, the running back missed the assignment there when someone else blew an assignment and he's trying to step in. So I bring that up because you continue to hear from Beamer. You continue to hear from the coaching staff of the job that DK has continued to do as a pass protector at running back. And a lot of that has to do with the fact of his experience of being a personal protector on punt. Now, obviously he's not doing that anymore because they need him to have a little bit more, you know, um, they got to make sure that he's good to go when it comes to playing running back. Now, could that change over time? Could, but yeah, that's not to say Mario is bad at pass protecting. Okay. Mario's getting better with it. DK, that is one of his strengths. That is one of the reasons why he has continued to be out there as much as he has. Erlin says, especially with the offensive line being wildly inconsistent, right tackle is no doubt the biggest weakness. Zachary says, it's a um, specific, uh, let's see. Talking about personnel on the field and for situational downs, we're going back to decision-making. Yep, I got you. And again, some of the who's on the field kind of stuff, I think we'll start to see things start to change this week a little bit because I do feel like there's some guys, and we keep mentioning the freshmen, but there's guys that I'm sure that have – you know, been in a situation where they want to get them on the field. We hear Beamer, and, I, and I'm sure fan, the fan base is getting frustrated when you hear Shane Beamer say what feels like each week, hey, we got to get this guy out there a little bit more. Hey, we have to get that guy out there a little bit more. I'm sure, too, some of it has to do with situations, packages, right? 
Um, and again, I'm not saying that it cleans their hands of, of it all, but trying to just explain what goes into it a little bit. But I also think, too, with this idol week, that some of those players who could be on the fringe in terms of, okay, he's a guy that we trust, but do we fully trust him? Mm, yeah, This week could be that week that gives them more trust in said player. We've been talking a lot about talking a lot more about the offensive line. Carolina Titan, always good to have you on. Carolina Titan says, just rewatch the game, and we had plenty of chances to win that game. Going forward, just want to see us play fundamentally sound football. And again, I know it's real easy, and I keep bringing it up. Very frustrating. Very frustrating that, that pick six right before the half. Because at that point, at that point, USC, and there's two things I want to say about that. At that point, the defense had really stepped up. They had two great stops, back-to-back series. And then the offense, again, I would have ran the football. I mean, I was saying that right before the half. I know it's real easy to say, okay, oh, second guess. No, but run the football. Make Tennessee use their final timeout. Kai, who's been – had a good game last last week. Okay, it's probably the best we've seen Kai all year. Let him flip the field. Your defense was playing hot at that point, head into the half with a one-possession game, down seven. But instead, pick six. Pick six. The other part I wanted to mention, um, complimentary football. It's so frigging cliche to say, but think about it. It feels like anytime South Carolina's offense steps up the defense – and again, this is just what it feels like at times. Obviously, there has been moments where the offense has stepped up and the defense has played well right when, they gone, when they've gone back out there. Saw that a lot of the Mississippi State game. Saw that in the first half, especially against Georgia. Saw that at times uh, earlier in the year. But this Tennessee game, it felt like every time the defense – and again, you're up against a good defensive front. And even in the back half of the uh, defense, Tennessee's defensive backs, I thought they, they did a decent job. Defense gets a stop. Offense has to go down there and score. And one of the things, too, and I mentioned this with Colin recently, talking about complimentary football, how many times last year, whether it be a fake punt, whether it be an Alembo ball, Beamer ball, whatever you want to call it, something big happens on special teams. And that next drive, or could have been the same drive, they had a fake punt. They were able to capitalize on it and turn it into points. Turn it into points. Turn it into seven at least. You know, sometimes at least three, but they were able to turn it into seven a lot of times as well. I just feel like, and I think back to the North Carolina game, the onside kick to start the second half. South Carolina didn't turn that into any points. Weren't able to turn that into any points. You know, so I sit here and I talk about these things because we talk about complimentary football. We talk about complimentary football. It's really, truly being able to capitalize on things such as being able to throw a fake punt.
being able to do things like that. And I think with this South Carolina team, unfortunately, and I go back and I, at the time, uh, South Carolina was trailing 14 to 10. Kai Kroger completed a pass to Xavier Leggett for 32 yards. Okay. Obviously a gutsy call. However, as we've heard from Pete Lumbo before, and we'll continue to hear from them, they're going to stay aggressive. They're going to stay aggressive. Erwin says, yeah, Ja'Kai Moore definitely needs to be at right tackle next week and going forward when he is healthy. Yeah, I mean, and Erwin, that's the big thing, when he's healthy. I mean, how many times can we say that about a lot of these guys, unfortunately? And hopefully this extra week of being able to recuperate, being able to get off your feet a little bit, because obviously, you know, they practice. I believe Shane said Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday was going to be the schedule for the uh, for the off week. But you're just praying. You're praying that this team was able to just get a little bit, a little bit healthier, especially on the offensive line, the best they can. Uh, God Loves Comic says, if we're, if we were a revenge game for Tennessee because of all of last season, shouldn't Florida be a revenge game for us this year? Time to break out the all black uniforms. To me, you know, the uniform thing, and I think because of a couple of years back during the Muschamp era, the battle armor jerseys and the videos that Justin King and his team did. I think it's one thing that, you know, people miss to me. I could care less what uniforms they wear. I really could. Um, but I say that because, you know, the all black, this and that, just go out there and play, you know, and that's not to shut you down. God loves comics, but I think they should worry more about what they got to do. You know, if they wear all black, great. And I know the fans enjoy it. I get it. Uh, Steel Curtain says, Fugar doesn't need to start another game this season. He's clearly a liability every time he steps out onto the field. And Carolina Titan says, I don't believe in the revenge game stuff. Florida should be just another game because the week prior, Mizzou came to Willie B and beat us after week. Uh, after week, finally broke into the top 25. I think he meant to say we finally broke in to the top 25. God loves comics. I'm kind of joking. I don't like to make a big deal of the flow rider. We just have played horrible this year. Oh, I know. I get you. I, I think, look, if you feel like anything can give you a spark, then absolutely. And obviously, Shane, they understand uh, what can give their team a spark. But, um, look, I think the thing with Florida, we saw, what, two years ago? Zeb beat the crap out of them. Then you go to Florida last year, you play like absolute dog crap. Billy Napier, I mean, it's been a roller coaster since he's arrived. I mean, this is going to be a massive game for both teams. And I know Florida has one game before this, and I believe, I believe it's against Vandy, but I just want to double check to make sure. Yes, they're playing Vandy this weekend at four o'clock on the SEC network for anyone that's interested of. Getting a little sneak preview of what Florida looks like. Florida, of course, coming off a disappointing loss to Kentucky. Kentucky's been playing out of their mind. 33-14 to 14 loss for the Gators. Their only other loss of the year coming week one at number 14th ranked Utah. Who is now ranked 18th in the country, but 14th going into that season. And, of course, they got a big win against then 11th-ranked Tennessee. 
Again, which Florida team are we going to see? Which Florida team are we going to see? Phillips says Florida shouldn't be at all. Losing to them last year was a blessing in disguise. Look how we responded. We responded great. Started to streamline that offense. You wish that would have happened a little bit earlier in the year. Lynn says all black at 3.30 will be hot in Columbia. Doesn't seem like Lynn is in favor of it. Well, boys and girls, I don't know what it is. The sweatshirt. Put this thing on. It's like allergies or something. Again, an itchy nose, man. I don't know what's going on here. We're going to wrap things up again. Uh, no show, obviously, this week on Saturday because there's no game. But we'll be back in action on Tuesday for the GC Live Talking Tuesday Nights. Intern Joe and myself. Um, in the meantime, folks, if you have missed any of this program and want to go back or just listen to other GC Live shows, shows that Wes and Chris do, Head on over to the Gamecock Central YouTube page where you can watch this show and all of those shows in their entirety. Or if you're a podcast listener, maybe you're heading on the road. I know there's some people that are heading up to New England, not just me. Some people want to go see the Leafs change, or maybe you're heading out and you're going to go apple picking. You told the wife, you told the girlfriend, you told the significant other, hey, look, this is my one week where I will give you. Want me to do apple picking? Want me to go to you know, the in-laws house? Whatever. Let's just get out of the way this week because it's the bye week but you got a long road trip ahead of you. Well, head on over to the Gamecock Central Podcast Network. Again, you can find this show and all the other Gamecock Central shows as well. Stale Curtain says the Patriots suck. Don't remind me, all right? I can't say anything to you because, yeah, they stink right now. Bunch of bums. It's all right. We had a good 20-year run. We had a good 20-year run. I had to listen to freaking Cowboys fans last week, so that's always fun. Well, appreciate it, Frederick. Appreciate everyone that tuned in today. Have yourself a great weekend. Enjoy the off week. And come Tuesday, we'll be talking South Carolina, gearing up to take on Florida back in the comforts at Williams-Brice Stadium. It's a fair week, too. Buckle up and uh, try to get there a little bit early. We'll talk about that on Tuesday night. Have yourself a good weekend and enjoy the rest of your Thursday night. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.